Hello, leaders, and welcome to our Connections podcast. I'm Kelly Jordan, and our guest today is author Carl Medeiros. Carl is an expert in the field of Arab American and Muslim Christian relations and the author of books like Adventures in Saying Yes and Speaking of Jesus, two books I highly recommend. He and his family have lived in and out of the Middle East region all of their adult lives, including living in Beirut for 12 years and now in Dubai. Recently, Carl joined us and spoke during our Leader Lab, which was part of MomCon, our incredible, amazing weekend for moms and leaders. He challenges us to talk about Jesus in a way that is easy for us and inviting to others. You are not going to want to miss a word of what Carl has to say. So let's listen in to Comedirus, recorded live at MomCon. Sometimes to speak at interesting places uh, like like Mops and and uh, and Harvard, and so so I know this is weird. And if you knew me, you think it's funny because I don't really belong at Harvard. But I, because of the Middle East connection, I have spoken there several times at the Harvard Kennedy School of Government, and I talk about Middle Eastern policy. And so I give a, a talk there called Jesus's Middle East Peace Plan. I don't really know what it is, but I make something up and then talk about Jesus. And uh, I think they've never actually they've never actually figured out that I'm doing that because they keep inviting me back. They're not very they're not very bright. But I, so each time I go, I give this talk that's really honestly just about Jesus. And uh, did it one time, uh, in, actually in a big in one of the big halls there, and there were several hundred people. And then afterwards, I said. At the end of my talk, I said, if you want to talk some more, tomorrow morning we've rented out a room in the Harvard Library from 9 to 1, so come at the top of the hour, and we can talk about Middle East stuff, we're talking about Jesus, we're talking about whatever you want, but you just show up at the top of the hour, and we'll have a conversation. And so it's the next morning, it's 9 o'clock, we're having Dunkin' Donuts, because it's, you know, we're in Boston, that's what you're supposed to do. So we're having some Dunkin' Donuts coffee, and it's me and my friend Jeff sitting there, and these two ladies walked in, an older lady who was a professor there, it turned out I didn't know her, and a younger uh, girl who was a student, and so she was bringing me her Jewish, really atheist Jewish professor of psychology for me to, you know, like get her. And so they, they walk in, and as they walk in, the, the lady, the professor, literally walked in the door, and I stood up. And she said, I just want you to know I'm Jewish and I don't believe Jesus is the Messiah. So I said, oh, all right, well, I'm Carl. And uh, she said, well, I'm Maggie. She said, I mean, we haven't even shaken hands yet. And so, and I said, well, so if you're Jewish, I'm guessing you don't believe he's the Messiah and that's fine with me. She goes, well, that's stupid. I said, Okay, I, mean, I don't know what you want me to say, but that, I mean, I, what? I, I'm so confused. <laughs> and we sat down, and, and, uh, and, then, and then she said it again. She said, so what do you think of that? I'm Jewish, and I don't believe Jesus is the Messiah. I said, I already said what I think of that. I think that's fine. You're Jewish, and that's, you can believe whatever you want to believe. And then she looked at her friend, who her friend was kind of like, you know, freaking out a little bit, because that wasn't what I was supposed to say. And uh, she looked at her friend, she goes, well, you told me he was a Christian evangelist. And she looked at me and she goes, aren't you a Christian evangelist? And I said, do I look, look like a Christian evangelist? And she goes, and she got, it was really funny. She got a confused look and she was like, actually, you don't. <laughs> Which, I don't know what that means either. I don't know why I said that. And I don't know why she said that. But I, I guess I don't look like a Christian evangelist. That's, that's good, I guess. Or uh, maybe it's bad, I don't know. And uh, she said, well, what are you doing here then? I said, well, I'm really not doing anything. I'm just having some Dunkin' Donuts and coffee and uh, t- 
talking to you, I mean, I, I'm kind of confused. I said, why did, why did you come? She said, well, that girl, she pointed to her student, that girl, she called her that girl. That girl told me that you'd convinced me that Jesus is the Messiah. And I go, oh, sorry, no, no. She's like, then she goes, well, then I'm just so confused why I'm here. I go, yeah, well, maybe we should just talk about something else. She's like, and then this girl who was trying to get me to convince her that Jesus is the Messiah, which I don't, I don't, I don't even know how to do that. I work with Muslims. I don't work with Jews. And I, never, I, don't, I don't know what, I actually, I don't know what that, you know, like how to convince a Jewish professor at Harvard that Jesus is the Messiah. I never read that book or booklet. And so I actually have no idea. And I probably could have thought of some scriptures from Isaiah or something, but I just, I, I mean, A, I'm not in the mood, and B, I just don't do that, you know. So, and so I'm trying to get her off topic, like, so we can just have a conversation. Maybe we can just have a nice conversation. But she doesn't want any part of it. And so she said to me, she goes, well, how about if you just give me your best shot? <laughs> and I said, ma'am, I'm really sorry. I don't have best shots. I don't, like, that's just not me. If you knew me, that would be funny because I don't have, like, one-liners or anything, and I really, I don't even know what to say. And honestly, if you don't want to believe Jesus is the Messiah, you're free not to believe that. And then she, again, she was just like, she was so exasperated. She goes, well, if you had a best shot to convince a Jewish person that Jesus is the Messiah, what would it be? And I go, okay, well, I said, to be really honest, I really don't, but I can maybe think of someone. So just give me a second here. And and, in that, give me a second. I like prayed a little, you know, silent prayer, which mostly is help. And... uh, (laughs) Which is a really good prayer to know. It's like prayer number one out of all your prayers. It's like, oh God, here I am again. I don't know how I get in these situations, but please do something. So I was doing that and I was thinking like, okay, what would be a good shot? And the thing that came to my mind was what I said, I, you know, shocking. But I said, well, I said, Jesus, Jesus likes you. And I don't know why, I just kind of came out. I, was, I know you're supposed to say Jesus loves you because that sounds more spiritual, but what came out was Jesus likes you. And I'm thinking, it's good that, good, good that he does because I don't. <laughs> you know, that, that's actually what I was thinking. Because she was just kind of edgy and obnoxious and she just had a bad attitude in general. And so I said, Jesus, I said, well, Jesus likes you. And she goes, she went, that's it? That's your best shot? I said, well, I told you I don't have a best shot. She goes, well, that's just ridiculous. Jesus likes me. Jesus likes me. And then she went, ah. And she just, I, she didn't like start crying, like whimpering. She like exploded and tears shot straight out of her eyes. I, seriously. I was sitting across from her and her tears landed on my knees straight across, like across the coffee table, across the Dunkin' Donuts. And she just starts crying uncontrollably. And she cried, like sometimes, you know, when people cry and, and there's a God moment, you know, it feels teary-eyed for all of us. You, and you feel like, wow, I really sense the presence of the Holy Spirit. No. <laughs> that, it just felt really awkward. And we were trying to give her Kleenex and there was stuff coming out everywhere. And so she's blowing her nose. And then my friend Jeff got so excited. He said to her, hey, by the way, my wife... My wife and I, my friend's wife is also a professor at Harvard, uh, we do a Saturday morning Bible study. Maybe you could come with us. And as soon as he said that, her tear ducts immediately dried up and she leaned back and she folded her arms. She goes, I'm Jewish and I'm not becoming a Christian. And so I'm like, okay, God, prayer number one. Again, I help. Uh, I said, how about, how about this, Maggie? I said, have you ever... I mean, would, you, would you be okay with reading like an original document written by a Jewish guy about, you know, Jewish Jesus? These are all your people, by the way. They're not even my, there's no Christians in the Bible. I don't know if you guys know this, but Jesus wasn't a Christian. He was Jewish. And that's uh, kind of shocking for people like, oh, uh-oh. Um, 
but he wasn't Christian, and he wasn't American either. This is very controversial. <laughs> and he didn't grow up in Dallas or anywhere in Texas. Sorry, Texans. He was a short, brown-skinned, Palestinian Jewish guy with a big hooked nose. So that, that's actually Jesus. And so I said, would you be willing to read an original document written by a Jewish person about your Jewish person, this guy named Jesus? She goes, well, what's it called? I said, well, there's one that I like called Matthew. And I said, would you be up for reading that? And then I looked up my friend Jeff, who had just invited her to the Bible study, and she said, no way. I said, do you have, a, do you have an original document from the Jewish guy, Matthew, anywhere in your house. And he's pretty sharp. He's like, uh, yes, yes, I have one of those. <laughs> so so uh, she said, okay. Uh, she'd never heard of Matthew before, that document, but it is that. And it is, it is I mean, I know it sounds kind of like on the edge of being sneaky, but it's actually just true, right? It is a Jewish book by a Jewish guy named Matthew about a Jewish guy named Jesus. And there are no Christians in the story. There actually aren't. That sounds confusing for us, but there actually aren't any. And so, and she's Jewish. And so this is kind of all coming to me. And she agreed and three years later gave, gave her life to Jesus. I think what I want to talk about is, um, is the idea that we can talk about Jesus in creative and natural ways that can be goofy, can be silly, can be funny, can be whatever you are, because you're the only you that God created uh, to be you. And he wants himself, Jesus, to come out of you in a way that's uniquely you. It can be quiet, it can be shy, it can be introverted or extroverted. I think often people on stage, we look at people on stage, they all seem to be extroverts that, ha- that have an easy time uh, talking. I got a C in one class in university, it was platform speech, and it was an automatic A class. It was a class that everybody took because it's an automatic A. It's my only C in college. Honestly, I couldn't speak. So don't, don't assume that God only used extroverts or God only uses people that are wired a certain way. That's actually not true. He uses all of us the way we are. But I want you to be free to realize that there's some other ways to talk about Jesus that aren't the typical Christian-y kind of evangelistic that get weird kind of ways. Because we've all tried those ways. And if we were really honest, those ways often don't work, do they? And it, gets, it becomes awkward because the person doesn't want to be Christianized. They already saw a church down the street. They're already choosing to not go to that church. And then you come along and say, hey, Christianity is awesome. And they think, no, it's not. And then you try to, and you have kind of an argument. We call that evangelism. And so <laughs> I just don't think that's very, that's not very helpful. We want people to know Jesus, to follow Jesus, to fall in love with Jesus, to be in Christ, com- uh, completely new creations in him. But the process of doing that, that we've called evangelism, that I learned in Evangelism Explosion or through the Force Roach Lodge or the Roman Road or the Bridge Diagram or other circles and bridges and crosses and stuff, are all good, but they don't always work with everybody. And sometimes you end up making people more against what you are telling them than they were before you talked to them. And we don't mean to do that, obviously, but it, it does sometimes happen. Uh, a, a couple years ago, I got a phone call from, this is weird, but from El Jazeera. You know, you know who El Jazeera is? El Jazeera is like the little flame thing, and, and uh, sometimes it's on American TV, and sometimes we say it can't be. And anyways, I heard it's the most recognized brand now in the world, just past Coca-Cola and Nike for being the most recognized brand. Anyway, somebody from El Jazeera, long story, I don't even know how they got my number, called me and uh, said, hi, this is El Jazeera, is this Carl? And I said, yes. And, and they asked me to come over to Doha, Qatar, where the El Jazeera's headquarters are. And they wanted me to talk about doing a, a TV show with them, which is kind of funny because I've never done TV shows. I'm not a TV guy. And I've never been, I've never done anything like that. But I said, okay, because I usually just say okay to stuff. And so... <laughs> 
I flew off with a friend of mine named Rick, and we went to Doha, and we sat down. We're in the, in the headquarters in the middle of this room uh, with 12 of, of the board members of Al Jazeera, both the English side and the Arabic side, and the chairman of the board is there. And we're talking, talking, talking about what we could do. Could it be an Arab-American thing? Could it be, um, could it be a Muslim-Christian TV show? Could it be a cultural kind of East-West? You know, what's Eastern culture versus Western culture? And maybe all of the above. And we, we talked for two hours. Everybody's getting kind of confused. So the chairman of the board, sat, he's sitting across from me at this long board table with 12 people, looks across and he said, Carl. Actually, he said, Mr. Carl. So Mr. Carl, he said, if it's going to be your TV show, We'll pay for it. You're going to do it. You have to be passionate about it. Now, these guys are all Muslim, as you would maybe guess. All had the white dish dash, the white robes on with the checkered, you know, head things. And he said, if you're going to do this show, you have to want to do it. You have to be passionate about it. Can you describe in, let's say, a paragraph or two what your passion would be for the show? Give me one sentence, two sentences, maybe two paragraphs. Like, what would you want this show to focus on that you'd be so excited about? Can you do that? Can you do that? And then we'll just decide if we like what you say you want the show to be about. And I said, oh, yeah, I can do that in one word. And he goes, well, how could you summarize everything that we talked about in one word? I said, I think I can. Let me just, I'll say the word, then you tell me if it summarizes everything that we talked about. And some of you know me a little bit, so you know the word would start with a J, and it would, remark, it would rhyme with Bezos. <laughs> So now, let me just tell you, before I say that I said Jesus, which is the dramatic, exciting point that I just now ruined, uh, let me just say that <laughs> leading up to that, there was every temptation for me. I, seriously, I struggled as I was saying that, and as he was asking that question, I already knew I would say Jesus, and then he's kind of going on about how I'd summarize it. And I'm thinking all that time, like, what I should say is, well, you know, sir, I mean, not just say the word Jesus, because that would be awkward. You know, I explain it. You know, I've, I've lived... Now, quite a few years, and lived in the West and the East, and I think maybe that possibly the thing that would summarize everything, I mean, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to go on this long explanation, but when he said that, and then I said, I can do it in one word, and he goes, really? How's that possible? And I said, I'll say the word, and you tell me if that works. And then he goes, okay, and then I just said, Jesus. I didn't say, well, you know, actually, it's uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. I just said, Jesus. And I think you guys know this, but his name is Jesus. That's actually, in English, his name is Jesus. His name isn't Lord. His name isn't Christ. His name, his name isn't Savior. Those are titles. Those are all true. Those are good news things about Jesus that he owes those, but that's not his name. His first name isn't Lord. His last name isn't Christ. It's not Lord Jesus Christ. And his middle name is not Jesus. That's just actually his name. His name is Jesus. So I just said, Jesus. And when I said that, it was like you sucked the air out of the room. Everybody, a couple of people actually gasped. And then uh, the chairman of the board was sitting right down. I said, Jesus. And then right after I said it, I, to- I felt totally insecure, by the way. I thought, oh, my goodness, I, I should have explained that a little bit. Because it's, te- I mean, you think, I mean, how can they understand that just one word? And so everybody went, Ugh. and then the chairman of the board went like this, hmm, hmm. And he put his head just like that. And I'm thinking, oh, no, they're going to kill me. <laughs> my last word was Jesus. That's, I guess, uh, that, that's good. And uh, so he went like that, and then he went like this. He put his head, hand on his head, and he goes, Ya Allah, which means, oh God. He goes, Ya Allah. Wow. Wow. That's good. <laughs> and actually, I think I said out loud, 
it is? <laughs> I really did. I, it came out. I think, I think I actually said that. I, I, either in my head, but I think it actually came out of my mouth. Have you ever done that where you're thinking something in your head, then you realize it came out of your mouth? <laughs> yes, of course. I mean, today. <laughs> so, I, so I said, it is. And he goes, yeah, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. Because he said, I don't know if you know this or not, but Muslims love Jesus. And at, by the way, if you talk to any Muslim person, and this is a fun thing to do. If you have a Muslim friend, just ask them. You can even blame it on me. So we had this crazy speaker guy. I can't remember his name. But he said that Muslims love Jesus. Is that true? I promise you, 100% of Muslims, if you ask them, do you love Jesus, will say yes. Now, we can say in response, well, we can kind of get an attitude and go, well, they don't really love the real Jesus. And you could do that if you want to. I don't know why you would, but you could. I mean, because they don't believe in Jesus the same way that we don't believe. They don't believe he was crucified. They don't believe he was resurrected. They don't believe he was God, but they believe that he taught and walked. He was a great prophet. And all the things they did and said, they agree that he did and said those. But they obviously have kind of uh, extracted some of the key points or maybe the key point of his life, which is his death. So I'm not saying that they believe him exactly the way we do, but they do believe in Jesus and they love Jesus. Often when I talk about Jesus with Muslims, they'll put their hand over their heart and they'll start to cry. So it's a beautiful bridge, by the way, to build with your Muslim friends, uh, Jesus. So the, the guy told me that. He said, I don't know if you know this or not, but Muslims really love Jesus. And I said, yes, I know that. And he goes, and Christians, obviously. He went like that to me, assuming that I was like <laughs> Christians, obviously, you know. And then he goes, and Jews. And then he didn't know what to say. <laughs> so it was actually like a funny but sort of awkward moment, like where he was trying to be nice actually to the Jewish people, like, you know, and Jews, but he couldn't remember, he wasn't sure, and he probably doesn't know any Jews, so he didn't know. But he was trying his best, it just, it didn't work. And so he goes, that's brilliant, that's brilliant. Jesus, Jesus summarizes East and West, Jesus summarizes culture, Arab and American politics, Jesus summarizes religion. And I actually interjected and I said, yeah, actually, Jesus doesn't just summarize religion, but he is over religion. And he goes, oh, I never thought of that. That's good. That's good. (laughs) And I want you to think about that. You know that I kind of sort of joke, Jesus isn't a Christian. Jesus wasn't a Christian. You know, Jesus is above the religion of Christianity. He's bigger than Christianity. When we try to convince people that Christianity, my religion, can beat up your religion, and when we see it doesn't go that well, when we're trying to sell Christianity as the best religion, I want to ask you, does Christianity save you? Which religion saves us? No religion. Jesus saves us. And we go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we know that. We know that. Then you go right back to talking about Christianity. What if actually... Well, let me finish that story. They ended up offering, offering me this uh, job at El Jazeera, but it turned out to be like a full-time thing where I'd travel the city to city and, and report live, and, and we had a family and kids at home, and so I said no. But anyway, so that's the end of that story. So back to my point. Uh, sort of anticlimactic, isn't it? But, but no, the point is, the point is, don't forget, the point is I said Jesus, and they all liked it. I actually think we forget sometimes that people act, were attracted to Jesus. People wanted to follow Jesus. Crowds followed him. They wanted to make him king by force. We tend to, especially as evangelicals, if that's your, if that's your brand, then we tend to kind of go, well, you know, the, na- the way is very narrow. It's actually very narrow and very small. There's camels trying to go through needles and stuff, and none of it, <laughs> basically none of it works. And uh, it's so narrow that mostly, yeah, mostly you're not in either. And you really, it can easily come down to just me and my little group that's actually found the narrow, narrow, very straight, very hard to find, almost impossible path. But that's not what any of that means. Jesus is just saying that's narrow as in, I'm it. 
It's narrow because it's just Jesus. But Jesus isn't narrow. Jesus wants all people. To, now, all people don't follow him. Listen carefully. I'm not saying all people do come to Christ. They don't all come to Jesus. They don't all follow. But he wants everybody to come to him. And crowds follow Jesus. Masses of people would follow Jesus everywhere. And he never, he never turned them away. He never rebuked the crowds. He rebuked the religious leaders. He, re- he rebuked the conservative, religious, we've got it right people of his day. I don't think you're that crowd. But we've all been around that crowd, haven't we? Like the we've got it right crowd and we know the truth crowd. Jesus was pretty hard on that crowd. He was hard on his own religious leaders. He wasn't hard on other religious leaders. We're with Muslim leaders and Muslim uh, uh, sheikhs and imams and mullahs and muftis and all kinds of big, cool, funny names all the time. And sometimes Christians will ask me, Carl, when you were with the top imam from the whatever, uh, why didn't you tell him? You know, give it to him instead of just your, you know, wimpy, love the sinner sort of thing. But I try to be like Jesus, and Jesus never did that with the Samaritan leaders. He never did that with the pagan leaders. He did that with his own leaders. He was hard on people, but not outsiders. There are a few thoughts I want you to get just real quickly, and you can write these down if you want. I shared them with a few of you earlier as well, so sorry if this is redundant. But I want you guys to be free to talk about Jesus all the time. So what my intention is for you is to say, you can let your apologetics of my religion is better than your religion systems go, if you want to. Now, some of you don't want to let that go, and you really like that fight, but I'm not sure that fight is worth fighting most of the time. So a couple of things. One, I think you should always assume that your neighbors, your friends, your moms that you work with, you yourselves, you should assume that people want to know Jesus. They don't necessarily know they want to know Jesus, but they do want to know Jesus. People want life everywhere. I haven't found anybody anywhere in the world who doesn't want life, who doesn't want more, who doesn't want all the good stuff of God. You should assume that going into every conversation. Secondly, you should know and agree with the fact that you can't convert anybody. I think that's good news for you. Guess what? You can't convert anybody. Well, then I can relax. And I even say to people, actually, you can relax so much that you shouldn't even talk about Jesus unless you can't help talking about him. You shouldn't try to get him to come out of you. He should just come out of you. And if he doesn't just come out of you, then ask that question, why is he not just coming out of you? Maybe he's not in there. Or maybe he's not in there very much. Maybe he just has a little part of your life and your heart and your mind, but not very much. So maybe the point is, let's get to know Jesus more. And then once you know him a lot and you really, really love him, then you won't be able to help but speak about Jesus. But don't try to do that. And thirdly and finally, don't be defensive. If somebody pokes you in your faith, if somebody gives you a hard time, if somebody says things like, oh, I can't believe you're one of those people, don't get defensive. Just be secure in your faith. I think it's a good practice to not ever argue with somebody. When somebody says, well, I think, uh, I think the Bible's not true. You go, yeah, boy, I hope that's not true because I read it a lot. But yeah, I mean, we should, hey, we should read it together. And then we could see if there's any points in there that are not true that you could point out to me, that'd be awesome. I could, I could learn from you. See, I mean, that's, that's better than saying, oh, yes, it is true, and then kind of trying to prove it with five different proofs of why the Bible's true, which gets awkward, and then you always forget point number four, and then you look stupid. So what, just don't, don't, you can just relax. You can actually just relax. It's okay. You don't have to be defensive. If you're secure in who you are and what you believe and who you know, 
then even when people make fun of you or poke at you, you don't have to get defensive because actually that's what they're often looking for is they're trying to poke you and get you to get defensive and then you do and it proves their thesis because we all know when you get defensive, you're on shaky ground. Only defensive people are on shaky ground. If you're actually, if, if you're born and raised, I met somebody who was born and raised in Philadelphia. So if you're born and raised in Philadelphia and somebody says, no, you weren't, you're born and raised in Dallas, Texas, you can just kind of go, okay, whatever, right? And you move on. You don't start defending the fact that you're born and raised in Philadelphia. You just kind of move on. One last story that I think will illustrate all these points beautifully. Uh, I, we get to go to Saudi Arabia sometimes and we have good friends in Saudi Arabia. So I was there with another friend, another American friend. And we ended up in, the, in a royal palace home. So a lady who's married to a royal family member of Saudi Arabia, so she's now also a princess in the Saudi family. The Saudi royal family is pretty big, but it's still kind of cool to have the title princess or prince. And uh, we all sat down. There's her and her whole entourage of about 20 people, and my friend Floyd and I, and the friend that I'm with. Um, and right when we're sitting down, she starts kind of going for it, starts giving America a hard She realized that me and Floyd are both from America. So she starts giving us a hard time. And that's pretty common in the, in the Middle East, the rest of the world. People don't always appreciate American politics. And I'm kind of used to that. I kind of, you know, whatever. And maybe I agree, maybe I don't. But I just let it, you know, roll off my back. But she was really going for it. She's a reporter. She's, a, she's the, the, most, the high, highest ranked female journalist in Saudi Arabia. So she's very knowledgeable. So she was just like going down a list. And, and I found myself getting kind of hot under the collar. I actually can remember the back of my neck literally starting to feel hot thinking, what? This, what's wrong with this lady? She is not nice at all. And uh, as I'm getting kind of worked up, all of a sudden she says, oh, 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 I'm so sorry. And she's looking at my friend Floyd. And I look at him and he's just got tears running out of his face. And she said, oh, I'm so sorry. Did I offend you? I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And then he just said very humbly and contritely, he said, no, no, I'm so sorry. As an American, I'm sorry that we've hurt you. Uh, I didn't mean to. I don't think my country even means to, but I'm just so sorry. Would you please forgive me? And of course, I was thinking just before that I was going to punch her, but then I, which punch, punching the princess in Saudi Arabia never, go, that doesn't go well. And then I, I thought, oh no, that's what I was supposed to be thinking, what he was just thinking. And sure enough, it did what that does. It broke the ice and it, everybody was humbled and a, a new spirit came in. Actually, the spirit of uh, Jesus, I think, showed up in the room at that moment. And then she was apologizing. He was apologizing. Then everybody's crying. And, and then she looked at me and she said, I don't even know you guys. I'm so sorry. What are you doing here? And so I've kind of recovered by that point and got my heart a little bit more in the right place. And I said, well, actually, we're followers of Jesus and we followed him here. And she actually went like this. She goes, really? Really? And I said, yeah. She goes, uh, she goes here, like, what do you mean you followed him here? I said, yeah, we're people that follow Jesus. And, uh, and he comes, he's with us, whoever's given himself, themselves to his kingdom. I said, you know, this kingdom of Saudi Arabia is pretty impressive. And here we're in this amazing palace. And I said, this, this palace is home, this kingdom is amazing. But the kingdom of God that Jesus talks about is actually so much bigger it's so much greater. It's like a man who was walking one day and he, and he found a treasure that was buried in a field and he got so excited that he found this treasure. He ran off and sold everything he had and he bought the whole field. And she said, what, what is that kingdom? I said, that kingdom, this is the actual conversation. I said, that kingdom is the kingdom that comes with the king. And, the, and I was gonna say, and the king is Jesus. And she goes, and who is the king? And, and it feels different when you're saying these things inside of a kingdom, the kingdom of Saudi Arabia, which Jesus would have been doing. 
There was a king at the time of Jesus, and when he was talking about the kingdom that he was the king of, people were looking around going, wait a minute, we already have a king. Very political, the things that Jesus said, very, kind of very edgy. And it felt that way to me as well. I said, actually, the king is Jesus. And she said, where is he? And I repeated, I said, he's here now. He comes with people who have given themselves to his kingdom. And you know what she said? This is a Muslim Saudi princess. She said, well, how do we get this king? And it actually felt so shocking to me. I actually had to kind of review in my head, like, oh, again, what are the notes that I've read when the Saudi princess says, how do you, <laughs> you know, how do you get this king? I haven't done that before. I mean, I don't, I haven't, re- I didn't write that book. I haven't even read that book. So I'm thinking, how do you get the king? How do you? And I, I always try to simplify things because I'm a simple guy and I just want to know what are the, what do you say when somebody says, how do you get something? I think you just say, you ask for it, right? So when she said, how do you get this king? I just said, you ask for him to come. You ask for him to come. And we were all sitting down kind of on our haunches. I can remember, and she bounced up. And so I kind of climbed up the side of Floyd (laughs) and then (laughs) helped him come up. She said, how do you get this king? I said, you ask him to come. We all stood up. And then Muslims, when they pray informally, not when they're praying towards Mecca, but when they pray informally, I don't know if you know this, pray with their head up, eyes open, and hands out like this. And she said, well then, come King Jesus. There's a controversy in the church in America whether the Muslim God is the same as the Christian God. Let me remind you, God's not a Muslim and God's not a Christian. And do you think God was confused at who she was? Was God up there going, oh shoot, now is that the Muslim God that she's praying for? Or is that like, is that me? Or is that, I think, I think it's, maybe it's me. I'll, I'll go ahead. I don't think, see God, it's a silly argument actually. God's not confused who he is. There's only one of him. And when somebody prays to him with a sincere heart, he shows up. And what do you think happened? He showed up. I don't know if you've had this experience. It's happened to me two times in my life. Once in a Bedouin tent out in the desert and once in that room where actually it smelled. It smelled like, my wife is Greek, it smelled like Greek Orthodox incense. It, uh, and it was pungent and it felt cloudy. It was thick and everybody started crying. Actually, Floyd was already crying. He's a crybaby. But... <laughs> So all the rest of us started crying and just tears came and we just stood there when she said, come King Jesus, just stood there and wept and Jesus showed up. And that's what happens when you lift up the name of Jesus. It always happens. It always happens. He always comes. When you ask him, he always comes. He's never confused. He's never wondering if you said the right words. He's, he doesn't know, he's not thinking, I don't think she drew the diagram correctly or she missed actually Romans 6, 23, or no, it was 5, 23. Now she got that confused. He's never, when you ask Jesus to show up, he's dying to show up. And people want him to show up. People are hungry for Jesus. They're not hungry for our religion. Even our religion. Our religion might be better than other people's religion, but it's not good news. Our religion is just that. It's our religion. It's what we're doing right now. The fact that I'm standing here talking to you and you're sitting politely in rows listening and politely laughing to the things that you think I think are funny and all that. This is a thing that we do. We're going to have some music and we kind of know the thing, right? This is Christian religion. And it's fantastic It's just not by itself the good news. Jesus is the good news. We set the table for Jesus to come, but then you got to invite him. You got to actually ask him to show up. So when you do that with your friends and your neighbors and your family and your moms, he'll come. Don't forget, though, the gospel is a person. The gospel is not a religion. The gospel is not doctrine. The gospel is a person. So we're going to invite him to come right now. Could I just ask you to stand up and I'm just going to close in prayer? 
Jesus, we ask like the, uh, like the Saudi princess, we ask for you to come. Jesus, come and, and, and do what you do so well, which is to give rest and take heavy burdens and, and put your yoke that's sweet and easy to carry around our necks. I ask that you would come, Jesus, and, and save us and heal us and people that are sick. And Jesus, come and give us new ways to talk about you. Come and refresh us and encourage us. We've done it uh, in weird ways in the past sometimes, and it hasn't gone well. Come and show us new creative ways. You're the one that created each of us. You know how we're wired. I ask that you would come and do that. Just be present, physically, tangibly present. Wouldn't it be awesome if we could smell you and taste you and feel you in a real way? You're not theoretical. You're not a, you're not a theory. You're not a doctrine. You're not a theology. You are a person. You are Jesus of Nazareth, who is the Christ and is the Lord and is the Messiah and is our Savior and also our best friend. We give ourselves to you in your name, Jesus. Amen.